Hey, Gam, have you ever been an ambassador? Of death? Of death? Jesus Christ. <laughs> of I, death. I think your voice was an ambassador of death for my ears. A little bit. It's fine. <laughs> We're fine. Um, so, uh, Gam, do hi. we want to talk about the episode? What do you mean, we? You what happened in the episode, What Gam? happened in the episode, dear? No, what happened in the episode, What happened Gam? in the episode? What happened? what happened in the episode, dear? What happened in the episode, dear? Uh, so we see an astronaut is in a rocket making some maneuvers. A man in a suit is talking to him. He's headed to a Mars probe. It took off from Mars manually, but they don't know if the people inside are still alive, so that's weird. So they're gonna check. A man with a huge beard comes up and goes, Hi, I'm French. <laughs> Hi, I'm French. Also, the Brigadier is here. Uh, news report is also nearby, taking info straight to the TV, telling the public exposure stuff and exposition stuff. And then the doctor, meanwhile, in his room, turns off the TV and he's like, yeah, that's boring. And the doctor is also trying to do some buttons on his TARDIS console, trying to revive the generator or something. Sends Liz into the future... Follows her for a second by also popping into the future. She pops in and out. He does too. Blah, blah, blah. They fixed it. But Liz doesn't understand. But then it fucks up again. Yeah. <clears throat> this has been going on for seven months, apparently. The whole, like, Mars stuff. And then the capsules link up. It's really sexy. Hey, Mars probe, do you read? And he can hear something on the other side. And they're opening the hatch, apparently. But then he sees something and dies. Um... <clears throat> it, wow. it makes a noise that literally kills everyone's ears back at, like, space headquarters. And the doctor can't remember why he remembers that sound, but he's heard it before, and his brain isn't working. Um, And he basically wants to, like, figure out how he remembers it and stuff. And the doctor goes up to the space, like, headquarters basically and he's like I don't believe in passes hey let me listen to that sound and decode it and then he's like the noise is gonna happen again and they're like no it's not and then it happens again but it was a reply that's weird uh, the last one though was sent from earth or something so he's like maybe this one will repeat too so they're gonna end up in up send up another pod uh, but the issue is that it'd take too long to do that, and all of Earth is ready to help find the noise that was the th making the... whatever. You get what I mean. <sighs> yeah, sure. <sighs> so, they're gonna send up another pod. Everybody's homing in on where this noise is coming from. It's coming from London. So the doctor looks at some pretty pictures, then gets upset that there's no map of London. But everyone's like, okay, well, it's seven miles from here. There's an abandoned warehouse, and we see some men sending some messages. Unit heads up there. Everyone rushes the place. Uh, the two guys sending a message are like, oh, they'll never find us. And then they go, Ooh, oh, hey, they found us. Uh, one guy goes up and meets Unit downstairs, and then they have a gunfight. And there's enough time to send one final transmission and there's perfect choreography going on. Meanwhile, the transmission Absolutely. dudes finish. They turn on a self-destruct button and go out a window. And as soon as the Brigadier and everybody get in there, uh, it blows up. And then Frenchman is being a big old mean person to the doctor and not letting him use a computer. 
And so he goes to talk to the scientific leader, basically, here. And he's like, okay, well, I'll tell him to let you do that. Also, there's a solar flare. This is getting difficult. Then the doctor's like, okay, goes back to the Frenchman. And he's like, let me use the computer. He's like, no, pulls a gun on him. And then that's the episode. Oh, no, not a gun. That goes pew pew. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no. Guns go pew pew, dear. Yes. They they go pew pew. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, ambassadors of death. Working titles included the invaders from Mars, invaders from Mars, and the carriers of death. Uh, subtle, to say the least. Um, episode one of this story, one thing that you noticed was the first time that the famous cliffhanger sting was heard at the end of the episode. The whole, um, however, it's not played under the cliffhanger as it would for years to come, but as an introduction to the credits, mm-hmm. uh, the next story, uh, would follow the same format. It's until next season that the sting is actually going to become common form, um, in use in its proper format. Um, also this... This episode has a weird, unused, an unusual title sequence in that um, the sequence cuts off after the logo, repeating the previous week's cliffhanger, and then returns to the titles for the serial's name, writer, and episode number. Mm -hmm. A really weird, unique thing. Um, Also, the fact that in the the titles, the whole Ambassadors of Death shows up in two bits, and... People have kind of speculated, is it because, like, the name, uh, supposedly, Ambassadors of Death was a last-minute addition, so they were like, we don't know if it's going to be called the Ambassadors of Blank, or, like, the Carriers of Death, so, like, they kind of mucked it up as much as they could. Yeah. Um, uh, what happened in the next episode, dear? Um, so, Frenchman wants the tape. Cool! Yeah. That's it. Cool. Um, so everyone dies. Uh, what happens in the next episode? Um, they cut open the capsule. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what happens in episode two, dear? God damn it. She um, thought you could get away with this. He wants the tape, and he probably understood the message from it, and... The doctor's like, no, and then makes it go into the future, question mark, somehow. So Frenchman takes Liz hostage and then runs away. And then the doctor makes it reappear because he's a goddamn magician. And he's like, oh, it was actually not time travel. It was transmigration of object that I can just do that. That's just something I can do. He, okay, you say he's a magician. I say he's not, but he does have a lot of stuff like this. He's a wait fucking we get magician. To the Venusian, wait until we get to the fucking Venusian martial arts, dear. French guy ran away. Uh, the doctor wants to talk to the one dude that they captured uh, from the previous episode. Something, something, asking questions, looking for answers. He's not going to answer them, so they just leave. Uh, but he yells at them. Like, hey, why are you sitting down? And he's like, okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he's like, oh, I guess you were in the military. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Apparently, two ca- the two capsules have now separated somehow, but there's no radio transmission. Hmm, that's weird. Uh, but And it's no going real fucking fast. And it's 
going to need to orbit the Earth, so the doctor leaves, he'll come back. Meanwhile, someone breaks the prisoner out of jail by spilling tea on someone. Uh, in the computer room, the doctor, Liz, and French's assistant are looking at, like, the numbers and it doesn't make sense. And the computer says that 2 plus 2 is 5, so it's like, you sabotaged it. And then they start taking over the capsule with manual control as it is coming down. Doesn't respond. They try again. Doesn't respond. And then they try again and it works. And it's going to land somewhere in the south of England, which is totally safe. Uh, and it yeah, lands a okay. It's going to land on top of Wales, so no one cares. Mm -hmm. uh, so, time to go check on them and talk to them before we open up the capsule. Open up, please. But no one responds. And we see some men spying on them out of focus for no fucking reason at all. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yep. And <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's alright. Dee's just dying. It's fine. Uh, so they are listening in from afar and they're like, okay, they're gonna take the capsule back. Radio that in. And then it becomes MASH for like the second time. Um, I would like to reiterate for anyone who doesn't notice, this was 1970. I don't MASH was 1972. Care. It literally just feels like the intro to MASH. And I'm just like, alright, well... MASH ripped I off don't Doctor Who. care. No, it didn't, because it like kept the racism, but not Doctor the sci-fi. Ma MASH ripped off... Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Haha! <laughs> so there's a helicopter now flying over them. It drops grenades, then lands, and there's another gunfight, but with like laser beam. I don't really understand what kind of gun he had, honestly. Um, it's a pew pew gun, and it was like a laser gun thing, and it like made it people drop to the pew ground, pew. and he had like a tank on his back. It was weird. Um, and so they steal the truck and the capsule. And the doctor sees this while coming up, parks his car in the middle of the road. He's like, my car won't work. I'm an old man. Help me. And they help him push it out of the way. Turns on anti-theft, which makes it so they can't remove their hands from the car. Steals the truck back and drives away. Then the brigadier comes back to base. He's like, I don't know where he went. Oh, there you are. You got it back here. I gotcha. Um, a call gotcha. comes in from Liz. And she's like, it's pictographic communication, apparently, from aliens. We need to go talk to top men. But then top men. the assistant calls saying, hey, they did it. Uh, okay, well, let's go do an investigation. Uh, but the reality is, is that he's in on it, though. He's the assistant to Frenchman, and he's in on it. And they're back to trying to talk to the capsule again. But it answers? That's weird. Uh, but they, for some reason, still think they're in re-entry. Because he only says, like, two things. And then that's the episode. Oh. Yeah. There's that. That's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so the writer, David Whitaker, has gone on record saying that this is his least favorite episode that he's written. Uh... Most likely because he he didn't actually write that much of it. Uh, most of it was actually written by Malcolm Hulk, who, uh, fun fact, was the one who wrote the previous episode. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but he went uncredited because uh, contract reasons or something. It was really fucking weird. Who knows? 
Um, but uh, it also turned out to be Whitaker's final contribution to the series. Uh, the episode was initially meant to be for season six with the second Doctor and Jamie and Zoe, which is why it's a little bit stilted in a few areas. Um, but initially, the story was meant to be set well into the future. Uh, it was not meant to include Unit at all. Um, but uh, because, you know, everything changed in the 70s, uh, they they completely revamped the, the, the script. Because season 7, if I remember right, had like a whole heap of scripts that like were meant to be co- uh, commissioned, but like so many of them fell through because <laughs> they just weren't what the, the new team were wanting to do with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, okay, well, this is what we end up, and then we get Malcolm Hulk basically filling it in with a whole heap of stuff. Uh, the TARDIS sequence, TARDIS console sequence at the beginning of the first episode, um, that was written in by uh, uh, Terence Dicks, who is a script editor. Um, fun fact, that is actually the original TARDIS console. That's what it looks like in colour. Mm. Um, the thing is, it was so like old and like where it had so much wear and tear on it that it was like oof, we we should probably think about like replacing this and getting a new one mm. um which they do eventually i'm not going to spoil when they do but uh yeah they 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 wanted to pull out the the console basically the only reason that that is in there right now um uh is a setup for the next episode because uh, Terrence Sticks wanted to have a little bit more, uh, not a through-line story, but, like, he wanted the stories to connect a little better. He didn't want, um, stories to be back-to-back like they were previously, where it's like, okay, they've gone here, now they're leading directly into this ep- next episode. He kind of wanted there to be, like, a little bit of breathing room so they could, like, have different things happen. Sometimes the episodes are back-to-back, sometimes there's small bits of continuity, like at the beginning of the first episode you get the Doctor being like, still angry over the whole Silurians being murdered thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, uh, end up with, uh, this, he wanted still elements between it, um, which is why the next episode has a connection to this one mm. in a few different ways. What happens in the next episode, dear? Uh, they cut it open and there's nothing inside but a tape recorder and a microphone. Is there cheese no. inside? There's nothing inside. I just said that there was nothing inside. Why isn't there cheese inside? I don't know. Ask the writers. I wanted cheese inside, dear. (sighs) Anyway. Um, so there was a security check that was ordered by the brig that didn't actually get ordered by the brig. The interior is also radioactive, so if they were in there, uh, they're dead. So someone probably took them out. That's something. There, we cut to them being apparently okay, breathing, not dead, and refusing for their helmets to be removed. And then they need time to increase the radiation? Wait. They need time to recover and they need to increase the radiation. And reduce the radiation. The do- no. Let me finish. And the doctor... The capsule. No. Let me finish. They need to increase the radiation to help the astronauts. And the guy's like, no, I refuse to do that. That's not how that works. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so we go back to the leader that they were talking to, and a general, the one we saw at the astronauts, comes in. He admits, hey, uh, I did actually take the astronauts, and top man, you got you gotta be here for me. You gotta understand what I'm saying when I talk to the doctor right here. And it was for a reason. And also there's a different kind of radiation. It's contagious. And the doctor really wants to go see the astronauts. Uh, meanwhile, they're being smuggled away. Uh, one man stays behind for a minute to help draw attention away. And then the car drives off with them. And the doctor and the brig and the general and Liz head in, find the doctor that they shot, like a normal doctor. And the general's like, I don't the know. Doctor? No, just a doctor. Oh. The oh. general's like, I don't know what happened. And then the car makes its way somewhere, and they dump two bodies in a quarry. And then one of the drivers hits a button, and everything on the truck camouflages to do stuff somehow. And oh. then the radiation's readings um, look like they were actually admitting radiation instead in when they, they were being held for recovery in here, and the doctor's like, huh, that's weird. Um. Fuck. Uh, fuck. The doctor's like, I think I might know where they are. The astronauts are in space still, because they never left, and those things aren't our astronauts. Um, the stuff ah. that came down is not human, and a doctor Shumon. is now looking after him. Another doctor, but he's actually not a doctor. He got his license revoked. Uh, they blackmail oh. Top Man in order to go weeks ahead to set up a second recovery pod. Meanwhile, one of the suits get ups and walks around, and the ex-doctor isn't allowed into the room to deal with it. Since radiation has dropped, one collapsed, and he's like, I don't understand why they're not getting better. Uh, so they open the door, and the dude just goes straight into the room and lifts the guy back on the table, and he gets thrown across the room for a bit. Uh, it comes outside, tries to leave, faints, and then he basically is like, Hey, I just got this phone call. It actually needs radiation, so someone's going to bring an isotope. Don't worry about it. Fake doctor also knows Liz, and he's like, Cool, I'm going to deal with all of them and kill them. So smug guy like goes away to go do that. Uh, the bodies, though, were found in the quarry, and there's a call that says, Hey, uh, Liz, doctor, I'm the brigadier. Come look at these bodies with me. And they're like, okay, but the doctor stays behind. But then the brig... Come comes... look at these cool dead bodies. Yeah, but then the brigadier comes up next to the doctor after Liz leaves. And he's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, you just got back? And he's like, no. And then Liz is suddenly in a car chase. And then a foot chase. And then she runs oh. over a dam, and they follow her, and she gets, she falls in. Kind of pushed in? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. That's the episode. So, the one you've dubbed Fake Doctor, Lennox, Lennox, um, I asked you if you remembered him, you said no. Not surprised. Uh, do you remember Tomb of the Cybermen, the, the, the archaeologist with anxiety? Mm-hmm. That's him. That's the same actor. Hmm. Now, Cornish, the the controller of the space station, space station, space control, 
I asked you if you remembered him. You were like, nope. I was like, okay. Do you remember the Dominators? Not really. The ones with the quarks. The ones with the quarks with the kids in uh, mace outfits. Um, I don't remember his... I'm sorry. He was one of the the almond people. Remember the guys who dressed up in almond costumes? Yeah, the ones I fucking hate. Got it. Yep, he was one of them. Uh, he was an almond. He's now graduated to be a controller of a space uh, command. Which, you know what? Good for him. Hmm. Um, so, as as you can tell, there's a lot of... Um, oh god, I've forgotten what CSI stands for. Uh, uh, color screen something... Uh, uh, chief security fucking, officer yeah okay so they as you can note there's a lot of chief security officers in this um uh uh, uh in in this episode um it's essentially okay there it is color separation overlay um it's essentially just a chroma key mm-hmm. um, uh, as you can tell there's a lot of that in this uh and it's mainly because barry Letts, the producer was Kind of like a kid in a sweet shop. He was like, oh, this fa- newfangled tool. I want to use as much of it as possible. Um, and there's uh, uh, some some footage you can find on a boat, one of the DVDs uh, where uh, it's his test footage that he did himself of like uh, just a, some blue cloth and a doll's house because he was just so excited to use it. Um, it, it, it listen, it <laughs> it's very obvious when it's done because it's like the 70s and it's like, they could not do much, and it, the, the effect is very obvious every single time. But it's always charming still that they tried. Um, so, after Doctor Who and the Silurians was done, Malcolm Hulk was essentially asked to do, like, CPR on this project. Because this, this script was, like, not working. It was falling apart. There was, like, three different conceptions in the story um, saying that, like... The problem with the project was that no one was in charge of it. No one wanted to really do anything about it. Um, so, essentially, uh, the, the the contract sort of shit that went on was that um, Whitaker was kind of annoyed uh, because uh, no one was in charge, so he left. And Malcolm Hulk was just like, I'll fix it. I don't care if he gets paid for it. I just, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, just so long as it's done. Um uh, thankfully, the, uh, apparently this was one of the international episodes that was, like, really well done and everyone loved with the first episode. Uh, which is why when this episode was recovered, only the first episode was recovered. Uh, no one could really find good copies of uh, the other episodes, which it took them years to find and recolor and remaster. Um, but episode one, they had plenty of copies of because, you know, it was all over the international market and so many people recorded it and loved it because oh wow uh cool this is fun people aliens doctor next episode so they actually pill her up and kidnap her uh they take her to where the astronauts are and the doctor's like we need to look at all these clues we have also there's a hair comb huh um the general and the doctor fight argue a bit and then we're back with French and we need to figure out this pattern and like f- like basically build this machine. Uh, then he gets a phone call and it's a threat to kill Liz if he keeps interfering. Then he's like, okay. Uh, Liz is now forced to help the radiation because it's dropping and stuff. Then tries to escape after the guy leaves but it's locked. 
The doctor apparently lost his keys, though, so he's going to give them to her and let her escape because he's technically not held hostage here. Uh, the right. actual doctor uh, finds a blueprint for the device, apparently, and he's like, I should build this. Ooh, lots of intrigue. Oh, boy. And Liz escapes. She's Ooh. in the woods. She's running away. The doctor, meanwhile, asks French to work with him because he knows that he's a fucking traitor. And French is like, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> no, not, he says, betraying them. <laughs> and then we cut to Liz by the side of the road trying to get a car to pick her up. And French is there and he holds her at gunpoint, gets her back in the car, drives her back. Uh, and he also brought the code and m instructions with him to talk to the things in the room is what the machine does, apparently. They're going to be carrying out, like, raids on things or something or doing basically whatever smug guy wants them to do. Doctor talks to the brig, saying, all oh, this is all bullshit. Uh, we need to figure out what's actually going on. French is apparently going to blow up the building and the doctor with a suitcase bomb. Creepy Man also shortens the time on the bomb, though, without Frenchman realizing oh. it. Uh, the doctor, meanwhile, is offering to take the rocket to go get the astronauts back. And he's like, I'm really good at flying. Don't worry about it. Uh, French comes oh, in fine. nervously. He says everything. If he tells the doctor everything, will he help? And he's like, yes. Okay, well, I have evidence in my car. Can I go get it? And then he goes to touch the bomb and it fucking explodes. And like he's probably dead. Because um, we oh. never actually see him again. Uh, at the astronauts, they figured out how to control them, kind of. Back at the bomb, though, the doctor's okay, but also finds the other control device in the storage locker, and he's like, hmm, what's this? This isn't exactly completed, but that's interesting. Uh, the general and top man are talking about how to stop the doctor again. Smug guy is also really ready to do a test run with the astronauts. And so he, one of them is sent out over to NASA, uh, NASA base. Is it NASA? No. It's it's just space base. No. NASA is America. Yeah. Dear. Uh, and then a whole bunch of guards shoot at him and gunshots do nothing. He also apparently can shock somebody by touching non-conductive surfaces or like them. Oh, you get hung up on this. Fuck so off. Uh, the astronaut goes into the bomb room and starts fucking murdering everyone looking for the device. It's not here, so that's interesting. Uh, it's apparently a small, like, radio thing. It turns radio impulses into speech to talk to them. But it needs another half, so that sucks. Uh, Top Man James, his name is actually James, Ooh. but I call him Top Man, uh, calls Ooh. the doctor and says, Hey, I'll tell you everything. Please come over. I really need to see you. And then he's like, okay. Uh, but then the astronaut is, of course, right behind him when he hangs up the phone. And he kills him. And Yay, then the no. astronaut goes over to the safe and destroys whatever's in it, which is, I assume, more of the communication thingies. And then the doctor comes in and sees the dead body. And he's like, oh, no. But then the astronaut starts to reach for him. And then that's the episode. Oh no, so the doctor's dead? Yes. So, uh, uh, the production text on uh, the DVD reveals that uh, Regan, the the one holding fake doctor captive, um, 
and his gang were originally meant to be Irish, but uh, it, it was supposedly changed after, you know, the troubles started. Uh, quote, all in all, it might not have been the best moment to show Irish hoodlums planning to deploy a powerful new weapon against the British. Because, um, you know, everything that happened with the Troubles. Uh, for those who don't know what happened in the Troubles, Google it. Um, mm-hmm. It's complicated. <laughs> it's, it's complicated. English stuck their dick somewhere again and ye- hundreds of years of bullshit. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Um, so, Terrence Six explained that the scene in which Carrington and the sergeant hijack uh, the truck that's carrying the capsule in episode two, uh, initially they had worked out a sequence with uh, the writer in which uh, simply it was just meant to be two men uh, deploy a sign that says detour and then a fake policeman stops the truck, pulls the driver out, and then they drive off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was meant to just reduce costs, but the director felt it wasn't exciting enough. So he pro- he persuaded the the producer to use the sequence that appears in the finished episode, which ultimately resulted in them going over budget. Um, afterwards, Terrence Dix asked Michael Ferguson, the director, like, "Hey, why had you overlooked the more cost-effective method and decided to turn it into a quote James Bond spectacular?" Uh, Ferguson replied, "Well, Terrence, put it this way: you were doing your job, and I was doing mine." <laughs> sort of like a Fucking, I'm I'm the director. Let me fucking do my job, even though they went over budget, which you know is a regular thing with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what happens in the next episode, dear? Uh, so Brigadier comes in, tries to shoot the astronaut. It doesn't work, so it Pretty leaves, weak. melts the lock while leaving, and then meanwhile, Liz's new plan is to try to let the other guy escape. So the ex doc so the doctor's like, hey, Brig, look, these bullets were flat because of like a force field or something. I don't know. They don't work on them. And then the another soldier comes in. He's like, hey, uh, the radiation basically shows that an astronaut was picked up by a car and he's gone. Uh, so the doctor is now learning about all the fuel for the uh, for um, the rocket, and they're like, well, okay, this is really dangerous, but we're gonna do it because we don't have enough fuel to send you. Uh, so we're going to use this weird other fuel that, just don't worry about it. But, and the medical report comes in, says he can fly, and they're like, alright, let's do this. The astronaut is back, and is very tired. Smugman is threatening to break into Fort Knox. And Liz tries oh, to get no. the ex-doctor to go to unit to ask for help. The general comes in and says, don't fly that rocket, I'm going to use it for a nuclear warhead. And then I want to blow up stuff. Yes. Uh, and then they li- Liz and the ex-doctor lie about not having enough isotopes and that the things are dying so they need more radiation. So they let the ex-doctor leave. Meanwhile, the rocket is being fueled. The doctor has moved the launch up by like a lot because he's like, someone doesn't want me to go. But then the brigadier gets a phone call. Ex-doctor is turned up with information. He's like, okay, I'll be there eventually. Put him in a cell. He'll be fine. Uh, the doctor's ready to take off, and the brig's like, okay, bye, good luck, and then off you go. Smugman comes back, and Liz is at gunpoint, so that's a whole thing. Uh, they're gonna send an <laughs> astronaut after him, apparently, ex-doctor, I mean, because they realize what had happened. And a man is then seen spotted by an officer nearby the rocket, gets stabbed, uh, he's gonna fuck up some shit. He's the valve turner. He turns the valves, Gam. 
Oh, the valve turner, yes he. Oh, he turns the valves. He fucks shit up by turning the valves. Uh, there's a oh, fuel. Yeah. He makes a fuel injection malfunction, but it somehow fixes itself. And the guy puts in way more of this like experimental fuel in than they were supposed to. And the ex-doctor is brought some food. And you don't see the dude's face, uh, but he's like, okay, well, whatever. And he's like, I'm going to eat this food, but it's a fucking radioactive isotope. Oh. Uh, and the, he also cuts the emergency line, so everybody's fucked. He's dead. Oh, no. Oh, oh. The brigadier oh, no. drives up to the rocket area, chases down fuel pump dude. The rocket, however, lifts off with all that extra fuel and G-force, so they put a leaf blower in front of the doctor's face. He's gonna f- he's gonna fly into the sun at this rate, though, and manual controls won't work. So what they decide to do is instead jettison stage one, which explodes instantly, and he's okay. Uh, and the propulsion, basically, from jettisoning it, jettisoning, jettisoning it, j- j- and stage two are enough to put him where he needs to be. Uh, so he's off to see the actual astronauts. And then he, like, gets there, he locks up the ships together, the pods, and he's like, alright, I'm gonna go inside. But then there's a really big object coming at him. Oh, it's a spaceship. That's the episode. Oh, no, it's a space vagina. Sure. It's a space vagina, dude. Come on. Don't say it. Say it's a space. Just what fucking? I'm not doing this. Just hurry up. Come on. He doesn't want to say this. Space vagina. Um. So when they reveal what the the ambassadors look like when they take off the um, they take off the helmet. Um. Something. You see, there's like a weird video effect that happens. That is actually because the director found like that the video disc unit when they were replaying it uh, was a lot of fun and did amusing and exciting things if you hit it while it was playing. Um, so, so several times uh, he uses that as a quote effect where he just hits the playback machine and it causes like glitches in it and like waves. Um, he found somehow. He made it. He he made it to be able to do that without like the unions jumping on him for risking a valuable and delicate piece of BBC property, and uh, uh, him thumping it instead of like letting a paid member of the union actually doing it because it's clearly a you know a delicate task. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like oh okay. So one of the special effects in this is just the director hitting the 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 playback machine. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so, oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, hmm. So the talking about the the um the the not raid. What is the word I'm looking for? I'm half asleep. The diversion, stealing the truck and the capsule yeah. in, in episode two. Um, one thing they noticed was because uh, they hired a special stunt team for that. I don't know if you noticed. Mm-hmm. Um. For one of those stunts, they had uh, someone uh, hanging from a helicopter, which took three goes for them to do. Uh, he claims that it cost seventy-two pounds a go just to start up the chopper's engines. Uh, the first time they did it, it was perfect, but the cameras weren't 
the camera missed it somehow. The second time, he slipped and straddled the landing strut, pulling the helicopter off course. And the last time, he landed on his feet. Safely, but not looking dangerous, which is a professional no-no, because, you know, it's not a stunt if it doesn't look dangerous. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there was a real accident that happened on set, though. Uh, One of the bike riders, Stan Hollingsworth, such a British name, let the bike get loose and effectively fired it towards the camera. Uh, The director's assistant, Pauline Silcock, and uh, the other person name-checked on a magic band that appears in the episode, uh, received a nasty gash on her leg and she had to be replaced. Uh, All of this pushed costs up. Uh, The producer, uh, still finding his feet as a producer because he's still kind of new to the job, uh, consulted with the director about it and was told, it's your job to stop me. Uh, as as the show goes on, uh, you can tell that Barry Letts took this kind of dressing down to heart mm-hmm. um, and was like, yeah, okay, uh, I, I will be on top of things from here on out. So, uh, yeah, a lot of accidents happen on Doctor Who. <laughs> a lot. Um, uh-huh. Wait, wait until we get to the infamous horse riding through an arbor uh, cock up that happens in the eighties. Oh, so many letters about that one. Um, the horse uh, yeah, riding the through an arbor. Uh, th- through a um, what do you call those arches at the beginning of a gate of like a, a garden? Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a scene in the eighties where uh, uh, somehow the horse like just kept riding with a cart behind it and just rode through that over a bridge and like got a little bit injured because it just kept riding mm-hmm. um, and as it was pulling this cart and the cart got hit onto the arbor and the arbor was like kinda kinda respected and kind of uh, old uh, and also the horse everyone was worried that the horse got injured but anyway do I have to the next episode yeah does everyone die yes yay oh so the doctor's ship radio goes out and then yay, he oh. wakes up in the ship, and an alien is calling him, and he's like, you're safe, and you're like, okay. Uh, we made it oxygen here, so you're good. So he's like, alright. And he walks in, and the astronauts, the actual astronauts, are watching TV, but it's just some colors, and they think they're on Earth, and they're okay. Uh, the TV turns on, and it kind of brainwashes them into submission, and then an alien calls, and he's like, hey, they were dying, what the fuck? Uh, we sent some ambassadors. Where are they? Uh, and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, we, we're we going to send us ambassadors. There was an agreement or we're going to destroy the world. Meanwhile, Space Center sees the spacecraft. And the general's like, okay, send a missile. Uh, bye. I'm going to go do stuff. The whole world can see this. And the general apparently also went on his own Mars mission. And everyone thinks he's crazy. The doctor wants to go back to Earth. He isn't allowed to take the men with him, so they watch the soccer game again, and he leaves. The rocket to kill the spaceship is already ready to go, and they're going to send it up in a little while, so we need to race that. Ex-doctor's now murdered. Leader of the base... Ah, Leader of the base is really cranky. The mud on ex-doctor's shoes might tell them where the astronauts are. The doctor calls in and says, hi, I can't talk. I'll tell you when I land. And everyone's like, doctor, please. Um, Liz, meanwhile, is in with the astronauts. And one takes off its mask in front of her. He's part of the Blue Man group. 
smug man comes in and goes, actually, I'm going to do whatever I want with them because fuck that. Do you want to get hired by me? Let's go. Let's have fun together. And then someone calls in and says, please, we really need to kill that doctor. Then the valve turner comes back, drives into the space space, and no one recognizes him because his hat's not blue this time. When the doctor goes into decontamination, he fucks up the ventilation system where he's getting dressed and has to wait for a few more minutes and pumps gas into the room. He's dead. He falls off the bed hilariously. Uh, (laughs) It is pretty funny. (laughs) A man walks in, kidnaps him. When he doesn't answer the phone, the brig goes to get him. The valve turner has struck again. And the general is now trying to blame the doctor on everything. Still wants to blow up that ship in the sky, but the doctor's okay. Smugman has him in the place with the astronauts, and Liz is here. Smug really wants the doctor to build that two-way radio because there's that they use is only one way. So he's told to make a list of what he needs, uh, and he was going to bring the brigadier... He's going to try to bring the brigadier to them and tell them where they are. As he should. Uh, the general comes in, though, and he's like, why aren't you dead? Okay, well, I guess I'm going to shoot you. And that that's the episode. And then everyone dies? Yeah, he's dead. Because ambassadors of death. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 As, well, you know, as it is. <sighs> So, uh, they were always kind of fascinated with um, doing a type of first contact type story. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, They've always wanted to to expound on it, and now that they've got the Doctor trapped in the 70s, it's like, well, this is, like, prime opportunity to do this. Um, And the way they do it is... Possibly my favourite way they could have done it is that uh, they rely on uh, they they rely on uh, the audience's uh, assumptions about the aliens and about the series as a whole because Doctor Who has kind of got a history of being a little bit xenophobic when it comes to aliens, um, as you know. Like it's almost always the aliens are bad, the aliens are othered. Um, the 70s takes a different approach, uh, especially with this one, where it's like, uh, no, he's, like, the aliens aren't the bad guys in this one. Um, the bad guys are the humans, and uh, it's such a subversion of what you would expect from Doctor Who that it actually relies on the audience believing as well that the aliens are behind it as well, like... Dear, you, you, even you were like, oh, there's a second set of aliens that are here, and like they're, they're the ones controlling and doing this. I was like, nope, it was humans all along. Yeah. Fucking asshole military. Yep. Uh, once again, hearkening back to uh, the people in charge who were the bad guys in this are a, a bureaucrat who's only looking out for himself and just wants the glory of it, uh, a, a, a general who's. Uh, harping on about moral duty and uh, gone fucking insane, essentially. Um, And all of these people that are just part of this machine in a country that you're meant to trust. And, like, even even the way they try and plant 
that oh see look uh okay you found out that uh, we were behind this but actually what see it's a it's a foreign interference like look this this comb says it was made in a different country and this this thing clearly says it was made in a different country there must be enemy agents behind this and it's like no they are planting evidence to make it legitimate for their own uh personal attack and personal reasons um welcome to the 70s uh, mm-hmm. Lots of uh, dismay and uh, distrust of the establishment. Anyway, what happens in the next episode? Last episode. Uh, Last Smug episode. comes down and says, hey, let's argue why he is needing to be dead. Uh, we need a machine to talk to them, so please, like, come on, let him do it. So it's like, okay, General leaves. Make the machine, motherfucker. General thinks that there's an alien invasion that's happening and that the species is entirely violent because they killed one of his friends by touching him even though they didn't know they wouldn't have known that touching the human would have killed them it doesn't really work like that for them uh the general's insane he had to do what he had to do he's moral and good and all that uh the general though takes one of the astronauts with him to go do something General makes a call saying, hey, I'm going to bring an astronaut to you, Brigadier. So, yeah, be there in a bit. They take out the astronauts to go do one other thing and steal some more isotopes. Uh, The doctor is just going to finish the machine. The astronauts are sent to this one place where they fuck up some guards and the entire place is instantly put on high alert, kill police officers, whatever. Uh, They steal an isotope. And then the brig is with the general now, and both of them are snapping at each other. He's because he's going to use the TV broadcast to tell the entire world that they need to blow up this spacecraft uh, by showing them that there's an alien on live TV. So they're now going to test the machine, the doctor and Liz, to send signals to the astronauts. So he's like, okay, Liz, go over there. Check to see if they respond to it. In reality, he's sending Morse code all the way across London to everything to help. Um, news is ready to go. The doctor and Liz are actually ready to test their thing, uh, for the astronauts. And then they, the astronauts respond and then Smug runs over and goes, listen to me and kill who I want, or I'm going to kill you. And the aliens in space are really wanting their ambassadors back. And the general's like, I told you we should attack or because they're going to attack us. The brig wants to go after the doctor because he knows the Morse code now. Uh, about the Morse code. The general thinks the brig is also in league with the aliens, so he tries to arrest him, punches the guards holding him, runs away, jumps in a car, drives away. Uh, He gets to unit headquarters, he's like, okay, I know where this Morse code is from, let's go there. So everyone piles into Bessie, and they drive to this abandoned missile site, and they drive up, there's a gunfight, Smug guy is trying to get the doctor on his side, but unit rushes into the building, shoots a bunch of people. They decide instead to use the astronauts to ask for help so that the planet doesn't die. Um, they are like, hey, like, could you go open that gate, but don't harm anyone? And then they drive inside. And then the worldwide telecast is live, and unit rushes into the building and arrests the general. And he's like, it was my moral duty. My duty. And then they release the last astronaut out of the chair. And they need to message the alien ship. And then the doctor, like, just fucks off. And that's the end of the episode. It's a weird... It's a weird... The doctor doesn't like cleaning up. He likes solving things and then 
fucking off. He does not like the cleanup. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a quick fun fact that I will introduce. Uh, so one of the, the potential titles for this was Invaders from Mars, even though uh, in the story it's revealed that they're not from Mars, because, you know, we know who are from Mars. Yeah. We know what Martians look like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is actually an audio story called Invaders from Mars, which is about <laughs> the Orson Welles War of the Worlds broadcast, um, which is hilarious because they actually use that broadcast to trick the aliens into thinking that there's another group of aliens invading, so they shouldn't invade because these other aliens are... Uh, they, look, listen to what they're doing to the planet! Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's hilarious. I highly recommend listening to it. Um, it's all, it has Simon Pegg in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what episode, Ambassadors of Death, what did you think, dude? I don't know, six or seven. It was, it was fun seven. in parts, but it kind of felt a little bit too long. Would you say a six, or would you say a seven? Let's go with six. Six it is. It's just, like, it's a That's... little too long. It, it does feel a little bit long, but I feel like, again, it's because, like, it's the fact that these are meant to be viewed, like, once every week. So you're meant to have that long, drawn-out sort of mystery that you're meant to think about throughout the week, and then the next episode you get an update on what's going on in the mystery. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, 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 and it's like, mm. But watching it all at once, it is a little bit slow. Thankfully, after, after, <laughs> after next week's episode... Uh, that issue is never going to happen ever again, uh, because the longest episode after next week's episode is six episodes long, mm-hmm. and most episodes will only be four episodes long. Yeah. So shake it up. They shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Twist and shaka shaka. So, uh, that was the Ambassadors of Death. Uh, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode about indigenous land rights and colonialism. And this week's episode about moral duty and uh, militaristic uh, coups. Uh, because next week, we have got an episode about... Guess what it's about? That's right. It's about an energy crisis. It's about authoritarian governments. And it's about something real cool called wearing an eye patch. That's right. Next week, Inferno. Bye, everybody. Inferno. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Inferno. Fire.